Good morning. Welcome to the stable. We're going to ask you to use your imaginations this morning and humble yourself before God and for, before each other. So if you would, imagine that you put on your woolen robe and your sandals. Be careful, the straw can get caught in your toes. And this morning we are not uh, in a temple. We are not in a palace. We're not even in a home. We're in a stable. To experience, to watch, to ponder the greatest moment in all of history. You may be seated. In, the, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that, that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. What was it like that night as they sat in the stable? What was, what was it like? Well, to understand the hopelessness of the people at that time, realize that, that Mary, who was now pregnant, has just taken a journey with her husband Joseph that took at least five days walk. I think it's safe to say that none of us have ever walked five days straight or walked someplace 70 miles. Now, why did they take this great walk? Not a vacation, great walk. Because they needed to find out how many people there were so they could tax them more. You see, in their day and age, it was a time for the nation of Israel when they had been under Roman rule or someone else's rule for many years. They didn't get to vote. They didn't have a say. They often would say to each other, it, it, one day it will be, oh, I wish it could be. Their life was hard. They, they had Roman soldiers who could come to their home at any time and take whatever they wanted to take. They had, the way you gained power in their world was you lied, you cheated, and you killed the person who was in your way. If you were stronger, you ruled. The idea of justice, it was a mockery. It was a time when as a Jewish people, they were consistently always saying to themselves, God, where are you? They really hadn't heard from God in 400 years. They were looking for the Messiah. They needed a Savior to come. It, it was a hopeless time. So there's Joseph and Mary. There's just the two. I want you to imagine you're one of the two. And you're sitting there in the stable. What we know is there was a manger, which means that's the place where they fed the animals. And let's, let's just think back. How did we get here? What, what are we in the middle of? What is happening? Mary first. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's 
pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She would know what this, this meant. She would know that's the words that you would call the Messiah. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of his Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was, not, she was said to be unable to conceive, in her, and she is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now this is Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary was somewhere between 12 and 16 years old. So if you're that age today, imagine that it's you. If not, then imagine someone you know who is that age. And she was betrothed. That means that Joseph's family had made a deal with her family, and they had already paid for her to be Joseph's wife. And the way it worked was you were betrothed, and then the husband, Joseph, went to work on building uh, a home or a room off of his family's home where you would, that would be where you would live. The, Mary would be preparing for that moment. She would be preparing herself to be a wife. She'd be preparing herself to be a mother. Uh, because soon after they were married, she would expect to have children. And they had dreams. She had dreams. You may remember preparing or dreaming of the day that you would get married, and then after you would get married, then you would have children, and, and it's wholesome, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing. All this that you have planned out for your life, that's what she had planned out for her life. But at this moment, when God gave this promise, all that goes out the window. The way it worked was, it was an unusual custom for us, but it was very usual for them, was once the betrothal happened, then the father at any time during after that time would say, okay, time to go get her. And at that moment, without warning, the, they would take the wedding party, they would go find the, the betrothed, and they would celebrate for seven days. Uh, they had this great wedding feast and then bring her back home, and they would be married. That wasn't going to happen then. When Mary said yes, that meant she would be shamed. You cannot go back to your hometown and go, 
I'm pregnant, but I've never been with somebody. It was God. And for us in our culture, maybe that's a little bit difficult to understand the amount of shame. Nowadays, to get married out of wedlock is, is fairly normal and often celebrated. That never happened in that day. The penalty for that was to be stoned. Her dreams, her reputation, not just for the moment, not just for the next nine months, for the rest of her life, she would be shamed. So here she is looking at Joseph, going, it's just you and me. Let's meet Joseph. Joseph, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged, um, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But af- before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So, interestingly, interesting how God did this. He did not come to Joseph and tell him what was going to happen. It happened. She gets pregnant, and she is far enough along in the pregnancy that she can't hide it anymore. And the word comes back to Joseph. Now, know this. At this point in time, they may have barely even known each other. They didn't go on dates. They didn't meet each other and go, hey, you want to get married? That's not what happened. They may have known each other, but they would have only talked in groups. They would have never talked one-on-one alone, ever. And Joseph finds out, the woman I've been preparing to marry, the, the dreams that he had for life, that I'm going to build a home. And he was a righteous man. I'm going to build a home. I'm going to raise a family. I'm going to go get my bride. I'm going to raise a family. All of the dreams that he had as a carpenter of what he was going to build and what he was going to be able to do, they were all put on the line at this moment. It was dashed. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So when he found out, he could have been rash, he could have been angry, he could have, but that's, that's not what he chose to do. He said, no, I want to I put her, I'm going to divorce her quietly. We're not going to make a big deal about this. I'm going to keep it as quiet as we can. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home, Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give birth, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He also would have known this must mean he's the Messiah. Only the Messiah can can forgive people of their sins, can save people of their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So at that moment, 
when God communicated to him, this is my plan, this is what I'm doing, this is my story, Joseph said yes. He said, I'll be a part of your story. Yes, I want to obey your word. This is what I'm going to do. Now, for you and I, we get to look back at this moment, and you've grown up knowing that Jesus was born to a virgin. Ever since you were a little tiny, ever since you ever heard about Jesus, you've heard he was born to a virgin. You have what already happened to believe in. For the two of them, they're being asked to believe something that has never happened. They're not only asked to believe in something that has never happened, they're asked to enter into this story and bear the brunt of it. In other words, everyone in their life knows she got pregnant out of wedlock. And everybody in their life knows Joseph. And we look at Joseph and go, what a great guy. He took her as his wife. That is not what the culture would have said. It has said he's weak. What's he doing? He's now dirty. She's dirty. They can never be seen as holy, acceptable people again. We almost never use this word other than as a curse word, but the word bastard means someone who's born without a father. His son is a bastard. Her son is a bastard. They're, they're, their whole future is changed because they've said yes to God's story and yes to God's promise. While they were there, the time came. I'm sorry, we'll read that in just a little bit. So, we're in the stable. Use your imagination. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. But there is only one way to be a part of God's story. It's through humility. It's when you experience the call of God, the word of God, or the promise of God, and you don't think about yourself. You think about that promise. You think about what God has said is either true or he's called you to do or called you to believe. He's invited you into his life. The third character is the baby. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger. God himself was so humble that instead of coming to earth in great glory, in a great, amazing, wonderful, beautiful story, this story, if you can imagine it at this moment, is three people. It's Joseph, a man who is 
all alone other than being with a woman who is all alone other than being with a baby who is all alone as far as the world is concerned they have one thing in common he humbly said God yes I'll accept your invitation into your story on your terms and God said I'm a whip I'm gonna wipe away all material all honoring all glory we're gonna go to the lowest place we can go and he's with a woman who God said I invite you into my story and she said yes I'm your servant it's not my life it's not my life God it's it's your life I'll do and go and have my baby in a main in a in a stable if that's what you want that's what I'll do and then there's a baby Jesus who said to God the Father yes humbly said to God the Father I will not think about myself I will do whatever you ask me to do I will go wherever you ask me to go I will be born in the lowest possible place on earth now there's a negative to that right which is this world means nothing and my life means nothing I've given it to God I'm humble but there's something else that happened at that place Joseph could look at Mary and go, huh, it's just you and me. We're in this together. It's you, me, and God. And Mary could look at Joseph and go, it's just you, me, and God. And Jesus didn't talk yet. But they had a secret. And that secret was God was right there with them. God had been born a man. Jesus says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first son, firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus came to invite you into his story. You're in the stable. The baby is born. And the reason that he came is to invite you into his story. The first thing I think you need to grab a hold of is this. Jesus did not come to be invited into your story. The Messiah did not come so that he could be used in your life to accomplish your dreams. 
that would have made a lot of sense to them then because the world was so hard. Their lives were so hard. They, they dreamed of being freed from the Romans, from their unjust rulers, from their self-righteous spiritual rulers. But you may have grown up in a world where you have been told, dream your dreams. Man, focus on what you want. Focus on what you need. Make it happen by dreaming about you because you're so amazing and you're so incredible. The baby did not come for the kings. He didn't come to the kingdoms. Jesus didn't come to the Roman rulers. He didn't come to the palaces. He didn't come to the temples. He came to the lowest of the law. To make one thing very clear. He doesn't value any materialistic thing in this world. He doesn't value power. He doesn't value success. He doesn't value money. And he's inviting you into his story. The next group are the shepherds and the angels. They got a, a little bit of a different look. They, the shepherds got to see what the heavens were doing when the baby was born and placed in a manger. You've got, you got to use your imagination for this. You've you got to step into this. The universe, which is grand and amazing, and if you look into the stars and what God has done, there's so much glory and there's so much power and there's so much honor in all of what he's created. And the God who's created all that is being born in a place where there's animals and he's going to be placed in the manger where the animals eat. Now, for many of you, you, you just have never experienced that, so you don't understand how low that is. It's low. I, I've done some crazy things with my kids, and Lori's let me. There's no way she's letting me put a newborn baby in a manger. While that's happening, the heavens are not celebrating any of what we would call glory and success, and we've made it. They're celebrating over the birth of this child in this place. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping new watch over their flocks at night. 
an angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This was big. It was loud. It was what you would expect if the Messiah was coming to the earth. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So they got to see that greatness, and then they ran to see what it was. What a contrast. Wow, what a contrast. All this glory. And here's, here's Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come to make your material life better and bigger and stronger. He doesn't care about that. He's invited you into his life. Which brings us to you and I. You may be here this morning and You may have come to a place where you're pretty hopeless. You're hopeless because of what you've done. Because of the sin that you've committed. Because of the lies you've told. Because of the many times you said, I'll never do that again, and you can't stop. Jesus invites you into his world. There's only one way you enter. You humbly accept his word and his life. You say, yes, Jesus, I am your servant. You can have my sin. I trust you to make me clean. But you may be here this morning and You've come to know Christ's forgiveness. But you're really busy. And you have, a, you have a life to build. You have success to accomplish. You have a dream for the way your marriage should be and the way your kids should be, the way your church should be and the way your career should be. You, you have extended family. You have a life that you've built. You have things that you are busy doing. And as you live this life, God has whispered to you, hey, come into my life. Come into my life. And you keep saying to, Je you keep saying to Jesus, I am busy. You come into my life. And you pray and you read your Bible and you come to church. There's different things you do. And you keep Asking Jesus to come into your life. No. That's not what Mary did. She didn't say, but I'm going to get married, so I need you to come later after I get married. That's not what Joseph did. He didn't say, you don't understand, it's going to destroy my life. Jesus, I need you to come into my life. I can't come into your life. It'll cost me my life. Nope. They humbly said, Oh, Jesus, I am your servant. 
yes, Jesus, I'll do what your word said. I accept your life. My life's over. I accept your life. My life's over. Some of you have a sin that you will not let go of. You won't let go of it and you won't repent of it and you won't bring it into the open because you're sure it will ruin your life. Jesus is inviting you not to fix your life. He's inviting you, he's inviting you into your, his life. And to do that, you have to risk everything you love. A number of you God has convicted you about the substances you use in your life, whether it's some kind of drug, something you smoke, or something you drink. And you keep trying to get Jesus to fit into that life. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm inviting you into my life. And the only way you do that is you humble yourself. Stop thinking about your life and your plan and what success is to you and how you're going to get your career to that certain place and how you're going to get your marriage to that certain place. No, no. I'm not going to think about myself. I'm going to take Jesus at his word. I'm going to accept what he has said. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and at, at what the shepherds said to them. What we're going to read next, you can only do if you will humble yourselves. Stop thinking about yourself. Take Jesus at his word and obey. But Mary treasured all these things up. And pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which they were, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't want you to build my life. I don't even want my great life. Lord, I want to quit focusing on what I think is best and what I think ought to be and what I think will bring about what should be. And I want to say yes to you and your life. Lord, I want to be Joseph. And when I hear you say, this is your plan, and this is what you're doing, I say, yes. I'll do that. I'll do it right now. Ladies, do you want to say, do you want to be married? Do you want to say yes? Now before you do, men, to be Joseph, remember this. When they ended up in the stable, they were all alone. It looked impossible. 
all they had, all they had was Jesus' promise and that conviction, that beauty, that life that says, I know I've entered into what Jesus, I've entered into God's life. I've entered into what Jesus has called me into. That's all I got. Lord, I pray for everyone, but specifically for those souls, those hearts, those spirits that right now, they're hearing you call. They just want to hang on to a little bit, and, and, and they want to say wait, and they want to say no. Yes, but no. Or give them the courage to stop inviting you into their life. Let go of their life. And enter into your life. That you become their Messiah. You become their Savior. That they, we know, I no longer have a life. I just have you. Thank you that the baby was born. Thank you for forgiveness and joy and love and sacrifice. In your name we pray. Amen. My life will not be about me. It will not be about my marriage. It will not be about my children. It will not be about my career. It will not be about my happiness. It will not be about my retirement. Christmas is not about Christ making your material life better. Christmas is all about God inviting you into his life to free you from the slavery of the love of this life and sin and misery and selfishness and the list goes on. I would encourage you to grab a piece of straw on the way out, put it someplace prominent in your home or in your car or at your office to remind you Christmas is about humbly accepting God's invitation to enter His life, to be free, to love and to give and to rejoice because I'm not thinking about me. I'm in love with him. Have a great Christmas. Give somebody a humble hug on the way out.